Welcome to day 89 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are 1 Samuel chapters 22 through 24. Here are some thoughts to guide your reading for today. Our chapters for today continue the saga of David on the run. Chapter 22 tells us he was not alone, however. 400 men dealing with their own challenges joined David to become his bodyguards and his makeshift army. Concerned about his family's welfare, David puts them under the protection of the king of Moab. Perhaps because of his Moabite lineage through Ruth, having his family hide out temporarily among the Moabite people made sense. The narrative then shifts back to Saul, who, as he was earlier in the book, is again sitting under a tree while others are working. During another paranoid rant by Saul, Dog the Edomite tells the king what he witnessed when the priest Ahimelech gave the bread of presence and the sword of Goliath to David. Despite Ahimelech's pleas of innocence, the angry and vindictive Saul orders the priest and his family to be executed. None of Saul's Israelite soldiers were willing to kill Ahimelech, so the outsider Dog willingly puts the priest and his family to the sword. Not only does Dog kill Ahimelech, but he also destroys the entire city and the population of Nob. In a strange twist, Saul, who disobeyed the harem or holy law command against the Amalekites, now is responsible for the harem or annihilation of the Lord's priests and the population of his own people at Nob. Only Ahimelech's son Abiathar escapes. When Abiathar meets up with David, David acknowledges his own mistakes, which led to the massacre. And in response, David offered Abiathar protection, and Abiathar would later share the priesthood with Zadok when David became king over Israel. It would seem providential that Abiathar joined up with David because, beginning in chapter 23, David is desperate for direction from the Lord. And although Abiathar is not mentioned in these texts as helping David seek God's will, it seems safe to infer from the structure of the narrative that he's the one who is seeking God's will. Even though David and his men are fleeing Saul, they respond to God's call and save the harvest of the people of Keilah from the plundering raids of the Philistines. But no good deed goes unpunished. Their intervention at Keilah has let Saul know where they are. David and his men then flee to the wilderness of Ziph. The word Horish in the text means forest, so they have fled to a difficult place to navigate, but also a difficult place for Saul to find them. Somehow, Jonathan finds David, and they reaffirm their commitment to the well-being and future of one another. It's important to notice in these chapters that both Jonathan and then later Saul affirm that David will be the next king. Jonathan is loyal to David. The opportunistic people of Ziph are not. They alert Saul to David's presence, and so David must flee again. I have loved 1 Samuel chapter 24 since my childhood, probably because of its bathroom humor. Saul grabs 3,000 of his special forces and heads off again in pursuit of David. But in the middle of the journey, nature calls on Saul. And so perhaps grabbing his favorite crossword scroll, he heads into a nearby cave to take care of business. In what seems to David's men like the clear providential hand of God at work, Saul happens to enter alone into the very cave where David and his men are hiding. This is David's chance to kill the king and be done with all this injustice he is experiencing. But he passes up his chance and lets Saul know what he could have done. In a rare moment of clarity, Saul admits what every reader knows. David is a better man than Saul, and someday David will be king.
While explaining why he could not strike down Saul, David uses the phrase that he could not lift his hand against, quote, the Lord's anointed, unquote. This is a beautiful and important phrase, but I fear at times it's been misused. It has at times been used as an excuse for the church not to hold its leaders accountable. Leaders who misuse their authority have at times been able to keep their positions and continue to misuse their power because they see David's unwillingness to damage Saul, the Lord's anointed, as a principle to follow in every context. I'm not sure that's the right way to read this text, and I think it's inconsistent with some of the other places where God's anointed are held accountable. Think Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. What I think is central to this text is not Saul's untouchable status, but David's unwillingness to do anything that would look like he was trying to gain power through unethical schemes. If David is going to become king, it will be God's doing, and it will be done without regrets or without David committing misdeeds. What I've taken as instructive personally about David's action in this chapter is the need to lead with transparency. There have been times in my 30 years of Christian leadership where I've had to keep confidences of other people or have not been able to reveal everything that happened in certain situations or decisions because of the need to protect someone else. But I have always tried to act personally in ways that I could then tell my actions with complete honesty and transparency. That doesn't mean I've always made perfect decisions, far from it. But when I have failed, I've tried to confess that openly and live without the fear of secrets ever being discovered. David will not live perfectly. His mistakes are just a few chapters ahead. But I think what made David special in God's eyes was not his mistake-free leadership, but his willingness to pray, search me, O God, and know my heart. These texts keep challenging us to trust and to wait on the Lord, but they also challenge us to live vulnerably and transparently in the process. So read these chapters carefully and introspectively, looking for things both in the text and in your own heart that you've never seen before. Journal your thoughts, your prayers, your questions, and live a life worthy of God's anointing. Our readings for tomorrow are 1 Samuel chapters 25 through 27. I'll talk to you tomorrow.